Every year, thousands of people are told there's no explanation for their health concerns and no way to fix them. They feel frustrated, undermined, and lost. I know, because that was me, before I figured out the actual causes and reclaimed my health. Now, I help others do the same. I'm Ina Toppler, and this is Health Mystery Solved. Hello there, and Happy New Year. It's January. We're in a new year, a new decade. I'm excited for what's in store in 2020 and hope you are too. Did you have a chance to do the exercise and guided meditation from episode 38? I'd love to hear how it went for you and what you discovered. You can connect with me on email or Instagram and let me know. I love hearing from you. And by the way, thank you so much to everyone that left a review. I want to do a quick shout out to Mountain Girl 99 Thank you so much for leaving me a five-star review. And I am so glad that the podcast helped you put together so many pieces of your health puzzle. You guys can read the full review on iTunes. And if you are enjoying the show and can take a minute to post a review, I would really appreciate it. I know it's an extra step and we're all busy, but while you're on iTunes listening, it could just take a minute. It would be so helpful. So the show is then showed to more people that are dealing with health issues and they too could see that there is hope. Today, I want to talk about annual physicals. We all get them, or at least we should, but is your physical truly complete? Did you know that depending on the doctor that you see, the blood work that is requested may and will vary greatly? Some will include multiple markers looking at all different areas of your body, while others are quite basic. Actually, I find that with people that come to see me after getting a physical, unless they're seeing a very integrative doctor, their blood work is typically very basic. The reason this is a problem is that if we're dealing with a specific health issue, or even if we're just trying to improve our health overall and be at the top of our game, looking at only the basics is not going to give us as much insight into what is truly happening in the body. On one hand, this can start the health mystery process because everything in the blood may look completely normal, but if this everything that was tested is actually not all that much, it appears then that nothing is wrong. And on the other hand, this can give a false sense of security because when everything looks normal, but again, not everything was really tested, we may not realize a problem is starting. Imbalances often start months and years before symptoms appear and disease is actually found. So how do we prevent this from happening? we ask our doctors to test for more things. Here's the issue though. If you just ask your doctor to test for more things, but don't specify, you may not get what you're looking for. So today I wanna go over some markers that are important to check and explain why that's the case so you can ask your doctor next time you have your yearly physical. Most routine physicals will include a CBC, which is a complete blood count, a metabolic panel, which looks at your glucose, liver and kidney markers, and a lipid panel, which is your cholesterol and triglycerides. So we have this covered, but this is typically not enough. Let me show you some other markers that are important, as well as the more optimal ranges of where they should be, because as you probably know from listening to this show, the lab ranges are wide and just being within the lab range may not be sufficient. And by the way, you could take notes, or if you're multitasking, I will have all of these in the show notes at healthmysterysolve.com, episode 41. I even made a printable PDF for you so you can bring it to your doctor. In addition to the basics, I always like to look at vitamin D. 
It's so important for our immune system and inflammation. And most people are on the lower side, especially if you live in a Northern hemisphere like I do. When checking vitamin D, there are actually two kinds, the 25-hydroxy and the 125-hydroxy. I typically test for the 25, though in some cases, looking at both 25 and 125 can be helpful. What is not really helpful is just looking at the 125 alone. So ask your doctor for the 25-hydroxy. It's also called the 25-OH specifically. The typical lab range for vitamin D is between 30 and 100, but ideally we want to be somewhere in the middle, so between about 50 to 60, and if you have an autoimmune disease, some say even closer to 70. This is very hard to do in the winter, so most people need to supplement to get enough, and it's important to know your levels so that you know how to properly support them. Next, we want to evaluate your thyroid. Most doctors don't even look at thyroid in a routine physical, and if they do, a TSH is typically the only marker tested. While TSH is important, it's actually just a pituitary hormone and does not show what happens downstream, how the actual thyroid hormones are produced, converted, and utilized. I did a whole show on evaluating the thyroid and explained in a lot of details what each thyroid marker does and why it's important. So many people have issues with their thyroid and have no idea. It's actually one of the top health mysteries that I see. But thankfully, it's not that hard to figure out. You just have to get the right labs. If you want to hear about the nitty gritty details about the thyroid, please go back to episode number 27, where I discuss each marker in depth. But as a summary to properly evaluate your thyroid, here's what you will need. You need a TSH, total T4, total T3, free T4, free T3, reverse T3, and thyroid antibodies. And I'll put all of the optimal ranges in the show notes and the PDF for you guys. Next, we want to look at iron, especially for women. The CBC does include a marker called hemoglobin, but it is typically not enough to truly evaluate iron levels and many abnormalities can be missed. So additionally, you want to ask for total iron, TIBC, iron saturation, and ferritin, which is the storage of iron. I have seen cases where iron may look low and people may supplement with iron, but never test their ferritin. And when they do test it, they see that their ferritin is actually high. So in those cases, that's a sign of inflammation. And then taking a lot of iron is actually contraindicated. And then conversely, I see normal hemoglobin levels, but people have fatigue and hair loss. And then when they test their total iron and ferritin, those come back very, very low, which indicates there is an issue. And working on diet and making sure they're getting enough and properly absorbing the iron is going to be key. I also like to assess inflammation. Inflammation does not often come with pain. A lot of times it's silent. So just because nothing hurts does not mean that there's no inflammation. Inflammation is what often leads to disease. So knowing if it's there as early as possible can help us get to the bottom of it and help prevent issues in the future. For this, I like to look at a marker called HSCRP, which stands for high sensitivity C-reactive protein. Ideally, this number should be below one, even though the lab range may allow up to about five. ESR is another great way to look at underlying inflammation. And while anything under 15 may appear okay by looking at the lab range, I like to see this below five. Homocysteine is also important. When homocysteine is high, 
it can lead to inflammation and it's a risk factor for cardiovascular disease. It's rarely checked, but I, along with many of my colleagues, find it to be very important because it's a risk factor just as cholesterol is a risk factor. The tricky thing is that most lab ranges show a normal result for homocysteine being anywhere between 0 and 15, but this is very deceiving. Ideally, homocysteine should be between 7 and 8, so it's rarely flagged because the range is just so large. The higher the homocysteine, the more the risk potential. The good news is that homocysteine can be lowered with methylfolate, methyl B12, and vitamin B6. High homocysteine levels can be due to a deficiency in those nutrients or due to a variance in the MTHFR gene, which makes it harder for some people to metabolize folic acid into a more natural folate form, which is what's needed. And speaking of B vitamins, I like to look at vitamin B12 because it's a nutrient that many can be low in, even in people that are not vegetarians. The range for B12 is typically anywhere from about 200 to 1100, but ideally being above 600 is recommended by most functional practitioners. If you have a family history of diabetes or have ever had your glucose levels elevated or just want to make sure your blood sugar is optimal, checking hemoglobin A1c is very helpful. Unlike glucose, which is a one-time marker at the time of the blood draw, the A1c is a three-month average of your blood sugar. You ideally want to be at 5.6 or below for this one. If you are between 5.7 and 6, this shows you are at a higher risk for diabetes and making dietary changes is going to be key right away. If you are between 6 and 6.3, that's considered pre-diabetes and above 6.3 is diabetes. As you could probably imagine, catching this early when it may be just on its way up but not high enough yet can play a huge role in disease prevention. If you have any history of autoimmunity, a family history, or suspect something, testing for ANA, which is anti-nuclear antibodies, is another good marker. While this is a general marker and does not represent a specific autoimmune disease, having an elevated ANA can be indicative of some autoimmunity. If this number is negative, it doesn't rule out that you don't have autoimmunity. However, if it's positive, it tells us something is going on and then exploring further and addressing immune triggers is going to be key. It could take years for an autoimmune disease to be discovered, and seeing this general marker elevated early can be very helpful so that you could start balancing your body and hopefully preventing things from progressing. Methylation is a big topic these days, and a marker I love looking at, especially if you don't have any previous records of it, is the histamine determination whole blood. I have a whole episode on this with Dr. Lauren Marks. So if you missed that, it's a great explanation of methylation and how to understand it. And that's episode number 34. Now that mystery in the episode was anxiety. However, methylation is important for all body processes. So even if you don't have anxiety, you will get a ton of information about methylation and ways to support it properly. But in a nutshell, while many may be familiar with the MTHFR gene, it's only one in over 30 different methylation genes. And just because someone may have a variant in the MTHFR gene does not always mean they need more methyl donors because some people are under-methylators, whereas others are over-methylators. If someone is an over-methylator, like I am, and takes a lot of methyl donors, like methyl B12 and methylfolate, they can actually feel worse 
And of course, vice versa, those who are under methylators will need many more methyl donors to feel better. This test is only accurate when done at LabCorp, and the optimal range for this marker is between 40 and 70. If your result is higher than 70, you would be considered an undermethylator, and if you're lower than 40, you would be considered an overmethylator. So it's inversely proportional. When I did my test, I was only at 16, so definitely an overmethylator, and learning this was extremely helpful for me. While I didn't have anything extreme by the time I did this test, I always noticed that I felt better taking a multi from Seeking Health than a multi from Designs for Health, even though I love the Designs for Health multi and I have so many people on it that feel great on it. And I could not put my finger on what it was for me. I didn't specifically feel bad, but just something seemed off. After learning I was an overmethylator, it made complete sense because the Designs for Health Multi has 500 micrograms of methylcobalamin and 400 micrograms of methylfolate. And the Seeking Health one had 100 micrograms of B12 and only 50 of it was in the methylcobalamin form. The other 50 was in the adenosylcobalamin form. So that's 50 of methylated B12 versus 500 of methylated B12. And then with folate, it had 600 micrograms of folate, but half was in the methylated form. The other half was in the folinic acid. So it was a lot less methyl donors and it made a really big difference. This is a really good thing to know for overall health, especially if you're sensitive or dealing with any type of health issue, it can make a big difference. And when it comes to the basics, like a CBC, a metabolic panel, and a lipid panel, there are a few things to keep in mind as well. In a CBC, I always look at the white blood cells. While the lab range could be large and as low as 3.8 could be considered normal, a low white blood cell count can mean there's some kind of underlying infection. Ideally, the white blood cell count should be between about five and nine. The white blood cell differential is also important. This shows the percentages of the different types of white blood cells. Some fight viruses and some fight bacteria while others are responsible for dealing with parasites and so on. If you have an acute infection like a cold, it would be very normal to see an elevated percentage of lymphocytes, which are the cells that fight viruses, since your body's mounting an attack. However, if your lymphocytes are elevated and you're not sick, or they're elevated consistently on several blood tests, it's a sign something is going on, perhaps a hidden virus the body has a hard time fighting off. Hemoglobin is also important, and while the bottom end of the range is 11.7 for women, ideally women should be between about 13.5 and 14.5, and men between 14.5 and 16.5. In the metabolic panel, I pay special attention to the glucose, which should ideally be between about 79 and 90, and bilirubin, which I like to see between 0 and 0.8. Numbers above 0.8 can indicate an issue with the glucuronidation cycle and tells me there could be an issue with hormone detox and potentially sulfur or oxalates. And when it comes to cholesterol, most doctors are pretty vigilant about this. And in some cases, too vigilant, insistent someone needs cholesterol medication at the smallest elevation. While this is a very important marker, it's not the only predictor of heart disease. So looking at how everything looks together, especially your inflammation levels and your homocysteine along with the CRP are very important because you can have low cholesterol, but if your inflammation is high, that cholesterol can still affect you. With that said, 
the ranges for bad cholesterol, the LDL, have been moving down over the last 10 years. They were at 130, then 120, and now most labs are at 100, meaning that you want to be below 100 for your LDL. However, the ratio is very important. If you have a good HDL, which is your good cholesterol, an LDL that's a bit over 100 is not typically a huge issue. But of course, you have to be mindful if it's trending up. Well, there you have it. My full list of markers that make your physical more complete. So the next time you see your doctor, you can request these. I will have all of these in the show notes and in the PDF so you can easily print it and bring it to your next doctor's appointment. Prevention is the key to health. And I hope you can get these in your next doctor's appointment to see how you measure up. There's lots of natural things that could be done if any of these are off. And this way, you can be your own health advocate. As always, please don't give up on your health goals. The answers are out there and there is hope. Thank you so much for listening. I'm Ina Toppler and see you next week on Health Mystery Solved. All information, content, and material on this podcast is for informational purposes only and is not intended to serve as a substitute for the consultation, diagnosis, and or medical treatment of a qualified physician or healthcare provider.